0: Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters Podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for this podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the Director of Marketing for Small Business Matters. Hello, Taylor.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: I am doing great. I am doing great. I've been looking forward to this podcast for quite a while. How
1: about yourself? Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to talking to our guests today and and diving a little bit deeper into how we can help our audience with their small business.
0: Well, let's not waste any time. Let's welcome to Small Business Matters. Trace Blackmore. Trace, are you with us?
2: I am with you, Tim. How are you, Taylor and Tim?
0: Doing great. Thank you for for being with us. So for our listeners, let me give you just a quick introduction to Trace. Trace has got over 20 years of experience providing water treatment, consulting services to commercial, industrial and municipal markets. He got started in his own business in 2003, and I've had the pleasure of knowing uh, Trace now for, Trace, how many, 10 years would you say?
2: I think we are going on 10 years.
0: Boy, hard hard to imagine. He's got a not only a very successful business, and we'll hear more about that, he also has a very successful podcast, and looking forward to how that got started and how he's been able to build that up as quickly as he has, and has a number of interesting passions and, and interests. And So uh, with that said, Trace, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Our first question, as always, what do you do that matters to small business?
2: Well, being a small business owner, I feel everything I do matters to my small business. I don't know how your audience will feel about that, but one of the things I feel that I always try to do is I always learn. There's always something that I can learn from somebody else, and I just want to make sure that I'm always showing up, I'm always present, because you never know when someone is going to drop that nugget that's going to make that big difference that moves the needle on your business. Very good. Well, Trace, tell us a little bit more how you got to this
1: point in your career and what were the steps involved?
2: Well, I started as a water treater carrying my father's test kit and uh, I had no idea what I was doing. My dad, I don't think could afford a babysitter. So he just took me to work with him. And I don't advise that by the way, there's, there's lots of reasons why you don't want to have children in mechanical rooms and labs, but uh, he didn't care. He wanted to make sure that uh, he had cheap childcare. So he just took me with him and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was brought into water treatment at such an early age that it was one of the only businesses that I knew. My Father taught me in a way that I didn't know that I was learning. Mm And then when I got out of school, I never even considered being a water treater as a job. And my father saw how unhappy I was in another industry. And he said, well, hey, why don't you come to work with me as a water treater? And I said, well, dad, that's not a real job. And he assured me that it was. And all the food that I ate when I was growing up and the house that I lived in was actually paid for by water treatment. So uh, it was a difficult decision for some reason for me to decide to go to water treatment, but it was the best decision. Decision that I ever made. And then how I started my own business, uh, I think it was insubordination. I don't think anybody wanted to work with me, so I just had to create my own firm.
0: So we have a reluctant entrepreneur on our hands, Taylor. <laughs> Taylor, when you think about water treatment, you think, well, how, how interesting, how compelling could that business be? But I've got no trace enough that I, he's built a very interesting business model, and they've experienced consistent growth over the lifetime of the business. So Trace, talk a little bit about that. Talk about the growth that you've had in your business, how you've gone about building the business, and maybe what is what's unique in that aspect.
2: Well, when I started the business, it really was because I wasn't getting along with the owner of the company that I was working for. So I was serious when I said insubordination, and I always wanted to build the company that I wanted to work for. For the longest time, my company was a lifestyle business. It allowed me to pay the mortgage and buy food and and live the lifestyle that that I wanted to live. But it wasn't until I met a a mutual friend of ours, Tim, Charlie Cicchetti, where he introduced me to the idea that I didn't know what I didn't know. And, And that's something that you've said, and he learned that from you. And I started in a program that you did called Grow Smart. And that really lit a fire under my business because now it was okay that I didn't know what I didn't know. And I now was able to go out and learn those things. My dad taught me water treatment. He didn't teach me anything about being a business owner. And through you, through some of the items that you've recommended and some of the people that you've introduced me to, that started that fire where I could now grow a business. And you've seen the success that we've had because of that. So Trace, what is a typical client
1: engagement for you? And and how does a a new client interact with your business and, and how do you get them through the door?
2: Sure, we have a I don't think it's a unique business model or sales model. Uh one of the issues that we have is if People understand water treatment or think they understand it. They already have it, so they don't need it from us. They don't understand what they really should be getting, or they don't understand it at all. So in either case, our job is to educate them on what a proper program should deliver to them, uh, how to hold their current representative responsible, and then we give them tips on what we would do if we were to have that business and show them how, basically, they're losing money because they don't have somebody at the caliber, at the level of the people in my company. Uh, So they're wasting water, they're wasting energy. And even though that it might be a cheaper price that they're paying on a monthly basis, they're actually paying more for an inferior program because of that energy and that water waste. So I would say that uh, our sales cycle is pretty typical to anybody else, but we lie heavily on education and going out and whether we're cold calling, my personal favorite is a referral. I love helping clients and I love it when they reciprocate and say, you know, I know somebody down the street and if you could give them a call, you're going to make me look really good. So give George a call. That's my favorite kind of business.
0: Trace, how would you describe your role within the company? What are you responsible for as the owner, as the, as the president of the company? What's your role?
2: Well, it's funny you ask because that has really changed throughout my ownership of the company. If you would have asked me this when I first met you, Tim, and you probably did ask me this, I told you or I would have told you that I was responsible for everything and everything started and developed and died because of me. And that very thought was the thought that was holding me back. If you ask me that today, just like you did, I would tell you that I am part of a team. I'm the owner. Uh, I'm, in fact, the visionary of the company. So I see where the company needs to go. But I have so many valuable people on my team that are so much better at doing certain items than I ever could be that they're able to help me get that done.
1: So, Trace, explain a little bit about your growth. So you said that the business was kind of running well and was a a cash business for you until you kind of went into that Grow Smart program. Since then, you know, what have you
2: done in terms of marketing, in terms of outreach to consistently grow your business? The number one way we get businesses is, is through referrals. Unfortunately, that is not fast enough to grow the business at the rate that any business owner wants to grow. So, we joined associations such as uh, BOMA, which stands for Building Owners and Managers Association, or IFMA International Facility Managers Association, I believe is what that stands for, and we became involved so it 's not just we had a membership to those associations; we joined committees and we present papers at their technical trainings at their trade shows. So people started to see us as the subject matter experts. And that's really how we picked up a, a lot of new business in the Atlanta market.
0: Trace, I know that you spend a lot of time in the planning for your business, and you've actually, you're, you're using a, a platform, EOS. Tell our listeners a little bit about that and what has resulted from that planning.
2: Well, again, I'll start with the conversation that you and I had so many years ago. You don't know what you don't know. And I believe it was during a, a one-to-one review that you and I had, and you were asking me about metrics, and I was answering your questions, and you told me about a book that you had read called Traction by Geno Wickman. Well, uh, Gino Wickman came up with this program called the Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS for short. And basically, it's an operating system that you plug your business into. So I'm a water treatment company, but it tells me how to run a business and I just plug in that I'm a water treatment company, so it it's a great tool. It's it's a bunch of tools actually. It tells you how to plan. It tells you how to get everybody on the same page. Uh, it tells you how to write processes. It allows you to do reviews with people. It allows you to develop a hiring process, a firing process. You know all those various things that I never learned from my father this now allowed me to take what I learned from my father and plug it into this entrepreneurial operating system. And that truly was the igniter for my company. We now had a platform that we knew what to do and how to do it in running a business. Very interesting. And and so with that, I'm sure you have
1: some some favorite business mistakes that you've made or you've seen others make. Would you
2: mind sharing those with us? I think my whole career was partly because of mistakes. Uh, I either said something that didn't turn out right, and then later I realized, hey, that turned out pretty well, even in the lab. So I was uh, building some products, and that's what we do. We, we try to build products for uh, heat transfer equipment so corrosion doesn't take place as quickly as it would without it. Things don't scale. Things don't foul. So I was building a product that worked perfectly out in the lab. And then I multiplied that, of course, so I could build a bigger version of that product out in the warehouse, and I wasn't paying attention, and I put the wrong thing in because I grabbed the wrong raw material. It turns out that that is our best product that we have today. It allows us to concentrate the water up far greater than we were before. And it was a mistake that allowed me to make that. I would have never put that product in that mixture that I was making. But because of that mistake, we now have a great product and we've gotten a lot of business off of that product. So that's probably one of my favorite ones.
0: Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is Trace Blackmore, the president of Blackmore Enterprises and also the voice of the Scaling Up podcast. Trace, I've always been intrigued by the culture that you have built in, in your business and, and with your people. And we, we know that doesn't happen by itself, that, that there's, there's design and work that goes into building such a positive culture. Talk to us a little bit and share with our audience, how have you gone about building such a positive culture in your business?
2: I decided that I did not want to work for companies that I had worked for previously when I didn't look forward to coming to work or I didn't look forward to being at work when a certain person came through the doors. I I didn't want that. I, I realized that in some weeks I see my fellow team members more than I do my wife. So if I don't enjoy that, if they don't enjoy that, It's not fun. It's not exciting. And who wants to live with that? So I decided that I wanted to create a place that people enjoyed working, where work still got done, and a place where people didn't look at just getting better at work, but they held people accountable for getting better at life. So. When I made that decision, I then became the chief cultural officer, and I wanted to make sure that we built something that everybody could get behind. And I like to think that we do that. I hear stories from people that work in Blackmore Enterprises, and they say that's exactly what we do have there. I had the idea, but the entire team really has a hand in making sure that that happens. But some things that I do, I like to make things fun and I use a lot of imagery. So I'll take something from a movie and then I'll bring that in as a prop. And one of the things, Tim, that I think you like is uh, I use the reference to Back to the Future quite a bit. And whenever we do planning... We'll always go three years into the future and I'll say, okay, we're going to get into the DeLorean, we're going to activate the flux capacitor, and we're going to set the time circuits to three years from now, and we're going to see what Blackmore Enterprises looks like three years from now. And now we all talk about it, we can all visualize it, we can all see it, we all have the same idea, we're asking each other questions to make sure we know what positions that we're hiring then, what kind of revenue we need in order to do that, what kind of issues are going gonna happen three years from now. And then we get back in the Delorean, we come back to present day, and then we start adjusting on what we need to do today, this 90 days, this month, this year, in order to build that. And that's just one of the ways I try to make that fun. But the thing that I think we did that had such a huge impact in creating the culture was when I started, I had some core values, but they were my core values. Once I gave that ability to the team to come up with our team's core values, that's when they took ownership. And that's when it really started to get a grip. And we came up with five core values that we defined with each other. So even though somebody might define one of our core values one way, we decided we were going to define our core values as a company. And today, Tim, we hire, fire, reward, and recognize. Based Based on those core values, people know that they're doing a good job because they're doing those core values. People know if they if they need to get a raise or if someone's going to work out or somebody's not, it's because of those core values. And those are the things that my company holds most dear.
0: Well, Taylor, that's a great message for our listeners that the importance of having uh, core values. And and making sure that everyone is bought into those core values, believes in those core values, and then they result in a, a very such a positive culture. Taylor, I, I had the fortune last year to uh, be a guest on Trace's podcast, the Scaling Up Podcast.
1: Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons that the Small Business Matters podcast is what it is today. Is that I think. Trace has been a bit of a mentor for us in, in terms of getting this off the ground and, and how to do the podcast on a uh, regular and professional level. So Trace, with that, tell us a little bit about your podcast, how you got
2: started and, and some of the success you've had. Well, I know Tim through the group Vistage. After Grow Smart, I joined his Vistage group. And I mentioned Charlie Cicchetti already. Uh, He was instrumental in introducing us. Well, Charlie was also instrumental in me creating the podcast. He said, Trace, I can just see it. You would be a great podcast host and you need to start a podcast. And I thanked Charlie for the compliment. And I looked him squarely in the eye and I said, Charlie, what's a podcast? I had no idea. So uh, I had to look up what a podcast is, and Charlie actually grabbed my phone and downloaded my first podcast app, and I had no idea that that was available. From that day, I started learning every time I was in the car from people that were just spouting off information and freely recording these podcasts. So after I was hooked on listening to podcasts, I then started investigating what it was to have a podcast. And that was definitely something I did not know what I didn't know. And I was kind of dragging my feet a little bit with it. Charlie and you, Tim, were were trying to get me to set a date that I needed to go ahead and launch this by, Uh, again, dragging my feet. And I had to let one of my team members go. Uh, It was the right decision to let him go. But it was, it was difficult. He was a good guy. I cared for him, but he just wasn't working out with the team. And it was that day that I launched my podcast. I said, I do not want to remember this day. And I believe it was April 3rd. For the day that I fired this gentleman, I want it to be the day that I launched my podcast. And I grabbed my headset. I recorded my first episode. It is absolutely horrible. Please, nobody out there listen to Scaling Up H2O episode one. It is pretty bad. But that allowed me to get on iTunes. And then I went on YouTube and I learned enough to be dangerous. And Scaling Up H2O was started.
0: And Trace, how many, how many listeners do you have today?
2: I am humbled to tell you that I have just shy of 10,000 subscribers to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and we're in over 57 countries. That is amazing to me, and I am so humbled by it.
0: That is fantastic. You are, you're a, you're a rock star.
2: You know, when you, I I don't deserve that, but when you think about it, I mean, that's a stadium of people that don't have anything better to do, but listen to me. So I love people with low expectations. Thank you so much for, for, for listening to me out there in the scaling up nation. Uh, But I just, I just don't, uh, I don't deserve that. and, And I'm perplexed by it, but I'm sure am glad it's happening.
0: Taylor, we've now gotten to mine, and I I think your favorite part of the podcast, it's rapid fire questions. What do you have for
1: Trace? Trace, so Noah talked a little bit about your podcast. What are some of your favorite podcasts that you listen to the car at home?
2: Yeah, I have uh, a couple of ones that uh, I really like. Uh, Tim Ferriss is one of my favorites. He was one of the first podcasts that I started listening to. Uh, Another one is uh, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire. Uh, I really enjoy his podcast. And uh, probably another one that I'll mention is uh, Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn's podcast is Smart Passive Income. And all three of those guys are just fantastic hosts. And I've learned so much just from listening to them.
1: What is your favorite book, either business or otherwise, that you would recommend to our listeners?
2: Without a doubt, I will say The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen R. Covey. I read that book when I was 19 years old, and it changed the way that I looked at life. I was no longer looking at life that I was ever victimized. I was responsible for every decision that I was making, and those decisions were creating the outcomes that I was getting. If I didn't like those outcomes, I needed to change the decisions that I was making. I cannot recommend a better book higher than the seven habits of highly effective people. That is
1: one of the best. And and like you, I have read that when I was just out of college and had a big impact on on my career thus far. Uh, Rumor has it that you're quite the diving advocate. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your favorite dive spots and Mm -hmm. unique experiences.
2: Well, I think my most unique experiences was when I first was introduced to scuba diving. That was back in 2003. My wife and I uh, co-rented a house down in Destin with uh, another couple we knew, and he was a scuba diver. My wife and his wife were going out shopping. I really didn't have anything to do that day. I was just going to hang around the house. And he said, why don't you come scuba diving with me? And I said, are you nuts? There's no air down there. And he called me chicken. So I had no other choice. I had to go scuba diving because he was challenging my masculinity. And uh, I went scuba diving and I had a horrible experience. I actually damaged my ear. Luckily, no permanent damage was done. And uh, I wanted no part of scuba diving after that first experience. Well, then I kind of liked it and I kind of always wanted to do it. And I knew I didn't get the training that I needed. It was a very quick discover dive is what they called it. And they didn't tell me all the things that I needed to know in order to clear my ears and be safe. So I took a class. And it was over a weekend, and then another weekend I got certified, so instead of 15 minutes of training, I got about 25 hours of training, and I really did start to fall in love with the sport. Trying to learn more about the sport, I found another dive shop that was closer to the house, and I started learning by taking other classes. One of the instructors there really took a liking to me. And he asked me if I had ever considered uh, becoming an instructor myself, and I had not. And he said, well, you really seem to have a knack for working with people and teaching content, so why don't you try being an assistant instructor? And I did that for seven years, and then in 2011, I became uh, an actual instructor, and I am pleased to report that I have taught well over 200 people how to enjoy scuba diving as much as I do. Wow, that's fantastic.
0: It's interesting hearing you talk about that experience and knowing you as the as the entrepreneur that I do connect the dots for me. There seems to be some synergy between being the entrepreneur and the diver and the dive instructor. What do you see there? What's the connection there?
2: Well, I would tell you that my favorite thing uh, above everything else is teaching. I, I love to take a topic, especially one that I don't know anything about, and then become an authority with it. Because even if I don't know a thing about it, I'll challenge myself because then other people will hold me accountable for knowing that topic. I anticipate people asking me questions, so that allows me to change my role from the student to the teacher, and even if I don't even plan on teaching what I'm learning, just that role change allows me to devour that information that much better. But I tell you, I have this habit that whenever I do something for fun, I turn it into a business. So uh, I did that with water treatment. Of course, that really wasn't fun. I guess it was fun when I was playing around with my dad, and then that may, may became my primary business. With scuba diving, I actually created a small LLC that I do my scuba diving with. So, uh, I, I think there's, there's something wrong with me, Tim. I'm just not wired right, where I'll take something fun and I'll create a business out of it. And then I'll create metrics around it. And I just enjoy that. I enjoy watching to see how things work. If I make this change, even, even in my dive lessons, when I'm training somebody, if I change how I present material, am I going to get better results on the other end? I just really enjoy that. And final rapid fire question, who is your hero? Well, uh, that's a difficult question. I, I've had I've had a ton of mentors in my life. Taylor, your dad is amongst those, and I, I would say my hero would have to be my grandfather. I didn't really get to I knew my grandfather, but I didn't really get to know him until I was about twenty six years old, and he moved here to Atlanta, and he was such a smart business person. He was a PhD chemist and he taught me so much and he was so easy to talk to and he never looked down on me when I didn't know something and he always used every question to educate me through his experience that he had. I would hands down say my grandfather, Dr. Raymond H. Blackmore.
0: Trace, if your, if your grandfather had just joined us on the podcast and I asked him to tell us about his grandson, what would he tell us?
2: Well, he always told me that he was proud of me, and um, I, I would hope that that's what he would say today.
0: Taylor, as always, I can't believe how fast time has gone by. Uh, Trace, it has been a pleasure, a pleasure to have you with us. I know that our listeners, many of them will want to reach out, make contact with you. What's the easiest way for our listeners to reach you?
2: Sure. Uh, my company is Blackmore Enterprises. We're at blackmore-enterprises.com. And of course, we talked about the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Uh, that's on your favorite podcast app as Scaling Up H2O, or you can go to scalinguph2o.com. And an episode that everybody will want to listen to would be your episode, Tim, and they can find that at scalinguph2o.com forward slash 22, your episode 22.
0: Oh, thank you. So uh, again, I want to thank Trace Blackmore, the the present CEO of Blackmore Enterprises and the host of Scaling Up Podcast, for being with us uh, today, Taylor. That was great. What takeaways? What are you taking away from Trace?
1: Oh, too many to count. But I I think the favorite takeaway um, is when he discussed kind of running the business instead of running within the business um, and really taking that philosophy that you have to plan and process and be involved with the execution, but not be so involved that you're not the one running your business. And I think that's, that's a lesson that so many small business owners struggle with and great advice from, from Trace there.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love what he talked about his role as the leader in the business and, and one as the chief culture officer, managing uh, the culture within the business, helping build the culture. Also, as the, as the visionary, the one responsible for looking out ahead and navigating the, the future of the company, and then also as, as a teacher, that the leader in the business is responsible for being the teacher, helping train and engaging employees in, in their own growth needs. So, great takeaways for our listener from Trace Blackmore. So, uh, Taylor, what's going on in Small Business Matters?
1: Well, I think the most exciting news we announced last episode that uh, the Small Business Matters conference will be returning in May, right there in Atlanta. And I'm sure, you could tell our listeners a little bit more about that.
0: Sure, the conference is is scheduled for Friday, May seventeenth. Very excited about that here in Atlanta. I encourage our listeners to mark their calendars. We'll open up registration early registration on March first. And they're welcome to sign up and hope to see as many of our friends and listeners at the conference as possible. You know, We're also doing the Small Business Matters at lunch. Taylor, we started that in January. We had a great turnout for our speaker. And in February, it's Rick Hocheck. And uh, that's going to be a, a very interesting presentation. So I encourage our listeners to look into the Small Business Matters lunch. And I know we've got a newsletter coming out as uh, soon as well. A lot going on at Small Business Matters. All right, Taylor, as always, it's been a pleasure uh, putting on the podcast today.
1: Uh, thanks for your help. Absolutely. look forward to the next one. We'll be doing these regularly throughout the year. And so if you have not already, we encourage our listeners to go to iTunes or Stitcher or their favorite podcast application and download the Small Business Matters podcast.
0: In closing, listeners, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.